It's good to see both of you here today. <laughs> About an hour from now, a lot of people will probably come in. <laughs> we are glad that you set your clocks forward and that you're here with us this morning. We're shy one as well due to, to illness, not uh, to failing to set their clock. Um, but uh, let's stand and worship together. all creation, water, earth, and sky, the heavens are your tabernacle, glory to the Lord on high, God is wonders beyond our galaxy, you are
you to come forward to join us for your few moments of sharing. boys and girls. I want you guys to kind of sit in a circle because we're going to play a game, okay? So I need you kind of in a little semicircle so I can see all of you. How many of you know how to play the game Simon Says? Okay, well, for those of you that don't, let me just tell you a little bit about how to play. In the game Simon Says, Simon, and that's me, I'm going to pretend to be Simon today, in the game Simon Says, you have to do what Simon asks you to do. So if I ask you to touch your nose, if I say Simon Says touch your nose, you're, you touch your nose, okay? But if Simon doesn't tell you to do it, then you don't do it, okay? Are you ready? Okay, scoot back some, Grace, so I can see. Okay, ready? Simon Says put one hand in the air. Simon Says put the other hand in the air. Okay, put them down. Oh, I caught you. Okay, let's try again. Put both hands up. Oh, I caught you again. Okay. Simon says put both hands down. All right, let's try again. Simon says touch your nose. 
Simon says, wiggle your hand. Okay, pull your hair. Oh, I still caught you. Okay, last time, Simon says, pull your hair. Okay, in the game, Simon says, you guys can put your hands down now. In the game, Simon says, you all are supposed to do what Simon asks you to do. But in real life, we're all supposed to do what the Bible tells us to do. But just like I tried to trick you, there is somebody out there that will try to trick us sometimes to doing things that we shouldn't do. And that person is, not, is Satan. You're right, not Simon. I almost said Simon. <laughs> that person is Satan. And um, the Bible tells us things that we're supposed to do and things that we're not supposed to do, like thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, and to love your enemies. And sometimes those things are hard, especially when you're at school or somebody tries to or someone says something to hurt your feelings or takes a toy from you, Satan will tell you, oh, get them back. Do something to hurt them too. But that's not the right thing to do because that's not what the Bible says. So our best defense against Satan and his tricks are to read the Bible with our moms and dads and to learn all about what Jesus and God and the Bible wants us to do so that we can be a good person and not listen to Satan's tricks. Does that make sense? All right, so just like Simon says, make sure you're doing what the Bible says and not what Satan tries to trick you into saying. All right, you guys, let's say a little quick prayer, okay? Dear Father, thank you so much for this day, and thank you so much for these precious children that sit here on this rug. Lord, help us to do what the Bible wants us to do and what you want us to do and to not fall for Satan's tricks. In your name we pray, amen. More headlines. Oh, hello. Is this on? Okay. More headlines. She was only a whiskey maker, but he loved her still. Dog gives birth to puppies, cited for littering. Okay. Good morning to everyone. Glad to see you here for this time of worship. <laughs> uh, and some of you overcame the temptation that struck me this morning when I woke up and I said, where's the sun? Uh, it's uh, it's been mighty easy to stay in the bed today. It's an uh, hour makes a big difference this, this time of, of year. But uh, glad you're here. I'm glad you're here to celebrate this time with us. At the uh, end of the service today, of course, we will have a, our communion service. And um, need to tell all of you, our visitors, um, this is an open communion at the United Methodist Church. Everyone is invited. And uh, you certainly are welcome to participate in everything we do today, including the Lord's Supper. The Lord himself has invited us to his table. And that's the only invitation any of us need is the Lord's. So hope that you will participate later in the service with us on that. Um, announcements. Our regular Sunday night program of choir, mission kids, and Bible studies continues tonight. Um, please remember the new location for the choir uh, Miss Jessica's choir will meet in the social hall, right in the next building over, instead of down in the basement area of the choir, old choir room. Um, our March mission project is collecting items for Miracle Hill Children's Home, and our March Bible study topic is learning about Lent. So that's for the children, and of course, adult Bible studies continue. Uh, a lot of wonderful opportunities go on. Youth activities go on tonight as, as usual. Uh, so we look forward to seeing you there. I know that a lot of us have been glued to the television set looking at all the horrible disasters uh, across the world and in Japan. Um, Red Cross, of course, is on the scene and, and that's a good place to make any donations that you might have. But it's also good to remember that the United Methodist Church through the UMCOR, United Methodist Committee on Relief, is also already there. We are a worldwide church, and so any money that we send through our church goes 100% to the victims of these catastrophes in various places. So if you would like to, to make contributions to care for uh, those affected by uh, natural disasters and even acts of war, we get involved in trying to help the refugees. Certainly, you could just write on your check, um, you know, for 
earthquake victims, and we will see that it gets to our Methodist agencies. Uh, I always feel good about what we send through the church because salaries are already paid, and so 100% of what we send goes to the victims, and that's a good thing to know. We don't lose any of our donations to overhead of special offerings like that. Uh, are there other announcements? Oh, you know what? I forgot. Prayer requests. If you have prayer concerns, uh, I'll give you a minute to uh, write prayer concerns that you might have, um, and we'll collect those. We've got index cards. If you have a prayer concern you'd like to write down, if you raise your hand, we'll get you a card, and when you get uh, your card completed, if you will uh, again raise them up so we can um, collect those in a moment. Hmm? Oh, okay. In one month, we will be without anybody signed up to, make, to get refreshments for us. So we're covered through April, but we need you to think about this in the future. Uh, this is a meaningful part of, uh, of our Sunday morning time here is the refreshment area. Signing up means that you go pick the donuts up at um, Dunkin' Donuts and that you come in here with them and they're... Eh, yeah, Jimmy's got next month, I know. But anyway, you pick them up and you set up uh, the tables and you prepare the coffee. The, the donuts are paid for already, so you don't have to fork out the dough. You just have to uh, bring the dough nuts. So if you can help us with this uh, uh, to volunteer to, to take care of a month, uh, see Andy or me at some future time, and we'll help you get signed up to do that. If your prayer cards are ready, uh, would you lift your hand so we can pick them up and have our time of prayer together? We have some wonderful activities going on in the life of the church that um, I hope that you're aware of. Sunday school for all ages is at 10 o'clock. Most of the classes are over here in this building. Uh, all the children's classes are here. A few um, adult classes, our, uh, our younger people go across the way to two classrooms over there. And then we have our 11 o'clock traditional service we invite you to come to. Um, thank you. And then the other activities. There are activities for senior adults here with the um, Young at Heart Club that meets every month. There are women's circles. There are United Methodist men that meet on a regular basis. So I hope that you'll find something to, uh, to fill all the needs of your spiritual lives uh, here as a part of our church. Let us pray together now. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence with us in our times of, of temptation and grief. We give you thanks that you give us victory over our temptation. And we give you thanks, too, that you give us forgiveness when we fail. Thank you for building strength into our hearts so that we might be able to withstand the onslaught of temptation and that we might always listen to what Jesus says and what your word says to us, and that we might be guided by your truth. And these are our special prayers for this day. We pray for Melinda's nanny who had a stroke last week, for a niece, Amy, and family doing missionary work in Japan, for a husband, um, who is unemployed for 19 months, please pray for a job for these folks. And we do, Lord, we pray that uh, you would send vocation, a job to this family. We pray for the Hansen family for a healthy delivery of a baby tomorrow, for Harriet Thompson, for Eddie Mosley for recovery from illness, for troops in harm's way and their families and loved ones, for a relationship with a friend, for Gabe and Stephanie Kraft in Japan who have not been heard from since the disaster. For healing for Ken Taylor who's going to Duke 
on the 17th. Lord, these are our prayers through Jesus Christ who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Sermon title, Then Satan Said, Follow Me. Scripture lesson is from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Here ends the lesson. What are you going to be when you grow up? That is a question that we all were asked a lot when we were young and that we still enjoy asking children because of their uh, interesting answers sometimes. But now that I am nearing retirement age, I'm asking myself all over again what I'm going to do when I finally grow up. Very, very few people know <clears throat> from an early age what career they want to pursue. Um, a few do though, but most of us change our minds dozens of times along the way. I certainly did not become the cowboy like Roy Rogers that I once wanted to be. Um, and I certainly didn't become the baseball player that I hoped that I would be. But I did make some other discoveries about myself as the years passed. When you and I became followers of Jesus Christ, all of us were called into ministry. Every Christian is a minister. Let me say that again. Every Christian is a minister. If you are a Christian, you have a ministry. What is it? At our monthly meetings of the district pastors, District Superintendent Charles Johnson asks one of us pastors how we came to understand that as Christian ministers, we were called to do something slightly different, to become pastors within that context. And most of us tell of the story about how hard it was to discern whether we were called to be a layperson, to serve the church in ministry, or whether to be an ordained clergy person who was a shepherd, a pastor. It's not always easy to figure out. I thought I was going to be a layperson until I was about 25 years old. I thought I would be doing youth work all of my life until I was partway through seminary. It isn't always easy to discern these things. If I'd had half the talent that Andy Watson has, I might have stayed in youth work, but I don't have his resourcefulness uh, that's really wonderful to see. But if we're going to understand what it really meant for the Son of God to be incarnate, 
on earth in human flesh, then we have to accept the fact that he was just like you and me as a child. When he was lying there in that manger, he couldn't understand a word being spoken around him. He was just learning who his mother and earthly father were. Just like us, he had to learn to comprehend words. He had to learn the written language. He was a toddler once upon a time in diapers, if that can uh, stretch your imagination a bit. He had little brothers and sisters who looked up to their big brother, and I'm sure he did his share of babysitting, which is what we do to our older children. We put them in charge of the younger ones. As Jesus approached his adult years, he had to make decisions like you and I have to make about his career, although I'm sure that Mary and Joseph did their best to point him in the direction he was to go because they knew things he did not know. And once Jesus received the clearest guidance that he had gotten so far when he was baptized, he still had to decide on how he would conduct his ministry and exactly the course he was going to follow in life. And that's what the temptation narrative is all about Jesus struggling with some decisions and here we see the temptation picture of Jesus being tempted by a very ugly devil well wouldn't that be scary when you have that nightmare <clears throat> uh, Andy and I still try to get even with each other um, we're told a fascinating thing in the uh, scripture just it passes you as you read it and you say, whoa, wait a minute, what was that? We're told in scripture that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit out to a place where he could be tested by the devil. Man, that's a mouthful. Jesus was led by God to be tempted by the devil. The, uh, the Bible does teach us that God does not himself tempt us. Uh, he, he leads us out of temptation but he also puts us in some tough spots where we can learn things about ourselves. And one of the ways we learn is through temptation. We learn our strengths and our weaknesses. So Jesus was led out into the desert where he was tested for quite a long time. And that's what that idiomatic phrase, 40 days and 40 nights means. It's like my daddy's 40 11. It's a long time, uh, longer than a day, long series of days. And we're told that at the end of all that, Jesus was hungry because he'd been fasting. He was vulnerable due to his lack of food and sleep. Temp temptation always comes to us and is aimed at areas where we're vulnerable and weak. And therefore, it pays us as it paid Jesus to discover where our vulnerabilities are so we can build strength into those areas. We get an idea of what Jesus was wrestling with by looking at the questions he asked himself and were being asked of him. If I am the son of God, like that voice from heaven said at my baptism, well then how am I going to live? How am I going to conduct myself in life and how am I going to conduct my ministry? The same basic question is asked of Jesus in the first two temptations. If you really are the son of God, then here are some ideas of what you should do. The first temptation had to do with the misuse of personal power for personal gain. Jesus, you're hungry. You've got the power. If you are who God says you are, use your power to change this stone into bread. Just think, Jesus, you will never have to work a day in your life. There's no need for you to ever plant a garden or work with your hands. Every time you're hungry, just change something into food. The stone could be bread. Those pebbles could be grapes. Doesn't that rock over there look like a pomegranate? You've got it made, Jesus. And if it would make you feel any better, then share the food that you make with the poor so that they will also never have to work again. If you do that, they will do whatever you ask them to do. They will make you their king. 
everyone will come to your feet to worship. Jesus was tempted for, to have a life of ease. He could have become easiest, easily the wealthiest man in the world. He could have won a faithful following by feeding stomachs. So the first decision Jesus had to make about his ministry was how he would use his gifts. He would not selfishly use what God had given him to become rich and famous. He might even be able to call down legions of angels to defend himself at every turn, but he would not do that either. He would choose wise words of God and parables as his weapons to go forth into life because every word proceeding from the mouth of God was more important than a loaf of bread. And we who follow Jesus will follow his example and refuse to use our personal gifts to feather our own nests at the expense of those around us whom we see suffering. Nor will we rob others of their independence by doing everything for them. The second temptation has Jesus wrestling with how he will present himself to the public on a day-by-day -day basis. Would he rely upon glitz and glamour to get himself noticed? Or would there be something about his humility, some, something about his uh, substance that uh, attracts people to him? When I thought about that this week, I thought about that old Ray Stevens song from the early 90s, would Jesus wear a Rolex on his television show? Written at the height of some of the TV evangelist scandal when they were misusing all the donations that they were given. And Ray Stevens had to poke a little fun at the fact that people rely on glitz and glamour to be noticed and to be somebody when Jesus just relied on the power of his personality. Jesus briefly entertained the notion, according to this temptation, of making a real grand entrance, like jumping off of a high place, the pinnacle of the temple down to the earth. That was a plunge, perhaps as much as 700 feet, quite a plunge. That would do it. That would draw attention to him, all right. He could always draw attention to himself by wearing extravagant clothing and performing signs and wonders never seen before. Jesus... What is it with you and your don't tell anybody about your being healed attitude? Asked the tempter. Don't tell people that you're the Messiah. Don't tell anybody about the transfiguration. But that's exactly the path that Jesus chose. He would perform miracles in such a quiet way that some folks would be out of his presence and halfway to the priest before they were healed and then they would have to go find Jesus and let him know that they were well, as one did. He would send everybody out of the room before he raised a dead little girl back to life. He turned water into wine, but nobody knew about it except the faithful servants who carried the water jars off. Jesus' exaltation was upon a cross. Our healing was done in his blood. Our life would be won for us from his death. And the empty tomb would be done in such a way as to remain a mystery to everyone but his very closest friends. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, Jesus said. And he chose the path of humility and service and gave us an example of how we bless others when we refuse to be flashy and drawing attention to ourselves. Finally, Satan said, follow me. Having failed to tempt Jesus with prestige, power, wealth, and glamour, Satan changed his tactics. Forget being a God's son, he said. Be my child instead. Follow me instead. And I will give you everything you desire, all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus knew that he was to be king of kings, the ruler of the universe after suffering and dying. But this temptation was designed to offer him a chance to exchange 
that eternal victory for an earthly reward and earthly kingdoms. It was to use his amazing talents and wisdom to gain treasures on earth rather than laying up for himself treasures in heaven. Every day you and I are tempted to misuse all of our talents and abilities that God has given us rather than to use our abilities for good People are tempted to use their abilities to cheat their way to the success, to steal rather than to work, to cheat neighbors instead of serving them. When we do this, we're actually being tempted to turn our backs on God and his will for us and listen to Satan as he says, follow me. It is a temptation to bow down and worship Satan because whomever we obey, that one is the one we are worshiping as our God. You would think that such a direct assault uh, would be harmless enough and a bit tricky and would be easy to, to see our way through, but it isn't. Evil promises to give us some of the things we want right now, but those things always come with a catch, a ball and a chain to enslave us. Jesus knew that he was destined to be king of all kingdoms, and Satan was offering him a way to do this without suffering and dying. All Jesus had to do was to sacrifice everything he believed in to do the bidding of evil all the days of his life. But Jesus knew better he would faithfully serve God all the days of his, lives, of his life, even if God's plan cut his earthly days short. He knew he could count on God to always deal with him honestly and fairly. So get away from me, Satan, for it is, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, chronologically speaking, this temptation story happened uh, not at the end of Jesus' life, but at the beginning of his ministry. But since the very earliest days of the church, Christians have retold this story at the beginning of Lent because Lent has always been a time of self-examination, a time to clean up and tighten up our sp spiritual houses just a bit. It is a chance to tighten up our behaviors to where they more closely resemble the example of Christ. The story causes us to consider the ways that we have been tempted and where we have failed so that we can ask for forgiveness and strive to do better. It marks a time when Jesus had only a very short time left on earth and it should remind us that life on earth is growing shorter for us every passing day. The time we have left is too short for us to waste even a day on self-promotion and self, selfish living and on Satan's side trips off the straight and narrow. As Jesus resented, uh, resisted the temptation each and every day, just as you and I have to do, and as Jesus rededicated himself to God as he faced his final 40 days on earth, let us resent, uh, resist temptation and dedicate ourselves to God as we observe a holy Lent. Amen. As um, an affirmation of our faith, um, in response to the proclamation of the good news, let us stand and affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Be seated, please.
Let's join in the invitation to the Lord's table. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. And now as an act of our worship, let us uh, worship God by giving. This is a new one, but some of you will probably be familiar with it.
Join with me in the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever, amen. I invite you to come on the outside and come toward the middle where we have two stations here. Get the piece of bread and dip it in the cup and then return to your seats. Thank you.
I was going to say? Cutting out the last song. Okay. Let us stand for the benediction. Lord, cause us to go forth from here with your bread upon our lips, your blood in our hearts to take to the world your love to all that we meet this week. Amen. great week.